and welcome to Opika's Innovation and Care Collaboration podcast series. My name is Ken McGill. I am a solution-focused care senior scientist here at Opika. And I recently sat down and had an incredible conversation with Jerome Scriptunis. Jerome is the founder and creator of Youth Time Banking ResourceNet. And Jerome and I have known each other for 20 years in our service to a statewide children's system of care. And I've always thought of Jerome as someone who was very innovative, who has the essence of what we do here at Opeka, making sure that we're keeping the person at the center of care. In our two-part series, Jerome starts off the conversation around his first meeting with and talking to Dr. Edgar Kahn, the founder and creator of Time Banking and Time Banking International. He's also the author of No More Throwaway People. Jerome will share with us how this initial conversation led to a spark when Edgar Kahn looked at him and said, do something. And Jerome will share what Time Banking is, the concept around co-production, and how it can be incorporated into the lives of those children, youth, and families that we serve. Hello, and welcome to Opika's Innovation and Care Collaborative podcast series. My name is Ken McGill. I am a solution-focused care senior scientist here at Opika. And I've served as part of a statewide children's system of care for two decades almost. And it was during that time I got to meet Jerome Scriptunis. Jerome uh, and I have been uh, keeping in touch and connecting throughout the time, uh, learning more about his work. And uh, his work has been a previous director of quality improvement and technology for Monmouth Cares, which is the Monmouth County Care Management Organization in New Jersey. He is the founder of Youth Time Banking Resource Net. And if you want to tune in and look at the website as we're talking, it's ytbrn.org. I recently highlighted Jerome's work in a blog, uh, Collaborations Through Connections, the Use of Universal Currency Time. And basically, I took what we've done together, Jerome, when we were meeting and having having our roundtable discussion at the TCOM conference. Uh, we actually were part of a roundtable discussion last year where we brought, we brought together some amazing thought leaders. Yourself, Greg Voltz, uh, who is involved with Youth Courts. Uh, Todd Johnson, who's utilizing the scans or the school version of the CANS. And Liam Power, who talks about and is implementing trauma-informed education. And so I want to thank you, Jerome, for uh, joining us and um, and allowing many of our uh, listeners here yeah, to yeah. learn more about time banking. Sure, sure. Uh, thanks a lot, Ken. Uh, happy to be here. You know, I'm, I'm using... Uh, one of these uh, backgrounds here, a little joke that uh, I had going on with people I'm working, uh, collaborating with my partners in Uganda. I had a talk with them about youth time banking and I was in the kitchen. <laughs> and you could see that I was in the kitchen. So soon after that, 
any of my uh, shared information was bylined by coming to you from the YTB kitchen. So maybe this looks like the YTB workshop in the background. Very abstract yes. and yet very <laughs> tangible for me. I love the circles. I love that the scrolls behind you. So very awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when I talk about uh, youth time banking, Ken, the way I, uh, you know, as I reflect upon my journey and the ups and downs and the progression, it kind of started you know, the formative in 2011, and then now 11 years later, uh, it's 20, 2022. And the, of course, it's an understatement for all of us to say a lot has happened. A lot is always happening. And, and in particularly in the world right now, it's uh, extraordinary uh, things are happening. And one of the, uh, most significant uh, milestones, if, if if we use that word, is the loss to the world on January 23rd of this year with uh, Edgar S. Kahn, uh, PhD, JD, a writer, uh, social activist, uh, world leader in the social justice movement and uh, recognized as uh, world leader in time banking, author of the book, No More Throwaway People, The Co-Production Imperative. And in, I think what everyone would say uh, in honor uh, of his work and his spirit is to keep the work going. And uh, and so the metaphor that we're using uh, to to do that uh, is seeds of change. And that's a a beautiful metaphor because it brings to mind uh, cross pollination, collaboration, the wind carrying ideas. And one of the points that Edgar made to me. And, and that I think he suggests to many people uh, he had worked with is to put something in motion and don't try to control it. And uh, that's what I find is both comforting and encouraging to me. So let me go back about uh, – 11 years in the, in the Wayback Machine, in the time <laughs> machine. And at that time, I was working, uh, part of my work was practice evaluation. And as you know, we use the wraparound practice model, and we were working with the uh, Fidelity Instruments from uh, the University of Washington. And... Uh, conducting uh, interviews with youth caregivers, uh, care managers, and the results of those interviews gave us information about the degree to which we were achieving the 10 uh, elements of wraparound. And the two that we noticed that were 
that we weren't uh, scoring where we would like to be on were those uh, in regard to informal supports, or if if you like, uh, we can call them uh, social connections, uh, peer-to-peer, near-peer, or uh, intergenerational uh, connections. And then the other uh, was the degree to which the the youth were connected in with the community, where there were uh, informal uh, supports and activities going on that were anchored with places in the community, whether that be a library or arts and crafts or sports. And as you know, in in our work, that's, that's very fundamental. That's important to everybody. And what happened was a year went by and we, or I was, you know, working with others and we were uh, doing the practice evaluations, but the results weren't changing mm-hmm. in that uh, on those two uh, areas or those two dimensions of informal supports and, and community-based work. And that's important, as you know, because I don't think any one of us uh, uh, wish for any one of us to live our life entirely under the care of some clinical infrastructure. We don't want youth to grow up in, uh, in institutions Mm -hmm. and we want to, uh, you know, uh, have the freedom and opportunity to, uh, you know, to pursue what, uh, you know, our culture, our family, our, our, uh, interests are in life and hopefully find the supports and opportunities along with our own efforts to, to do that. That's the goal. Yep. Yeah. And, um, so, so everyone agreed that, yeah, we've got to, uh, uh, come up with, you know, so you can talk about it and you can agree, uh, to that that's, but, but it's not, it wasn't, moving. The needle wasn't moving. And so it turned out in the 2011, I was invited to participate in a statewide convening in New Jersey uh, that was sponsored by uh, an organization called Creative New Jersey uh, that was funded by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation. And that's still going on. And the uh, so it used the format of um, open space technology, or that's accredited to the the work of Harrison Owen, and it's a form of an unconference. In other words, the individuals who are there are brought together mm-hmm. uh, based on their interest to dialogue about the theme or question that draws them. And the question for that convening was creativity in New Jersey, that there had been a, um, a loss of, uh, you know, some of the industry growth and telecommunications and insurance. Uh, and 
it, it was like the pendulum swings and we needed to come up with ideas for how to reinvent ourselves. Very cool. Uh, and one of the individuals who was there suggested a, uh, a small group conversation around time banking. So I joined that one. Uh, and it, it, you know, with, within the first minute, the light bulb was clearly all of the lights <laughs> upstairs <laughs> in my head were on. I said, this makes sense. This is fundamental. This is human. This is generative. This is collaborative. This is, uh, meaningful. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, and, and this, this would work if, if it were introduced to, to youth and they understood, uh, and they, you know, they had this opportunity to participate in it. So that part seemed pretty simple. There's, there's, that's, this is not a complicated thing. And so, so I said, I decided that I want to see if I could make this happen. And as I've spoken with you, Ken, uh, several times, this is one of those uh, phenomena that's uh, relatively easy maybe to start in motion, but unlike the physical world, it's not easier to keep in motion necessarily once you start it in motion, that there's a different kind of attention that is needed to keep it going. And there's a need for critical mass. Uh, time banking, uh, is a movement and that uh, puts it in a, I don't know, a ballpark or something that may seem simultaneously exciting mm -hmm. and maybe, I don't know, threatening, maybe not threatening, but uh, a little bit scary or unfamiliar and whenever anything is unfamiliar we have to work our way towards getting absolutely in other words it takes some people out of their comfort zone you know myself included mm -hmm. uh we're comfortable with what we're comfortable with mm -hmm. we don't just decide i'm going to be comfortable with that we <laughs> we work our way into being comfortable and one of the things that time banking so let me just you know give a real quick definition of time banking okay time banking is a system of service exchange that uses time as the currency now that both again there's there's this uh, mixture of levels of interpretation with uh, some things in time banking. The definition is both incredibly simple, basic, and maybe trivial, mm -hmm. but the consequence of it is if you have something really basic, but if it, uh, uh, it, it you know, is hit by the wind a little bit or leans a little bit, you know, I'm shaking it's kind of, it, it's <clears> kind of like balance. It's like, yeah, balance is great when you're on a bicycle, but if, mm -hmm. if, if you turn the wheel too much or, or hit a rut, uh, you know, you're going <laughs> to be thrown out of your comfort zone, I guess. So, yeah, so it's, it's a, uh, 
It's a system of service exchange where people earn uh, time credits for the service and, and, and help that they offer to others. And then in their uh, network, because time banking occurs in a network, it's not between two people. It's when a, within a community of people who have a shared and trusting affinity uh, with each other. And that's also important. Um, now, the other thing that comes up with time banking that uh, that may catch us unawares a little bit, it's that what time banking calls upon us to do is to be willing to be a giver and a receiver. Now, with many people, what uh, Dr. Khan uh, observed early on, and I think many people recognize, is that when we offer to help someone, we feel powerful and we feel good and we feel comfortable doing that. And it's kind of like when you lend someone a hand, you're doing that out of your excess capacity. <clears throat> and that's relatively easy to do. And you're at choice and, you know, you you help out. <laughs> On the other hand, if you need help, you may not feel as powerful as you do when you're offering help. You may feel vulnerable. You probably do feel vulnerable a little bit. And and what time banking what happens in time banking is as people participate in it, you get comfortable with your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And in my estimation, that turns out to be a kind of a good thing. And I'm careful about uh, talking in with words that says it's always this way. It's or it's always that way <laughs> because there are exceptions to everything. But it's kind of like balance and optimality. You find those sweet spots and you balance the dynamics of the competing forces that are going on, and you are able to navigate your way through. And a large part of what is allowing you to do that is the trust that is being uh, developed mm -hmm. as you do more things and participate in more ways. So I'm going to maybe return to that, but I want to put it in a hanging pattern there okay. for a moment and just go back to like, uh, 2011, you know, with that as, uh, you know, some, uh, some prelude. So, so all this sounds really good <laughs> and it doesn't happen by itself. People make it happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and it, people, with mindful intention who want to weave community. That's a metaphor that uh, Edgar and others uh, within the time banking movement draw on. Uh, and that's, you know, well-founded. We're weaving something. Uh, we're using the metaphor of a tapestry. And that's used in some of the trainings where people will stand up and hand each other the end of a piece of yarn as they hold on to one and you see this web and this network of how we're all uh, interconnected. So 
so it was so a year goes by you know and i've got two years of data right so <laughs> i'm thinking oh i've got a pattern developing here and you know is the third year going to give me a plane a planar surface now that mm-hmm. i got a line i got a surface mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna go three-dimensional but so I was uh, scheduled to, this was uh, simultaneously, we were developing this work with the the ResourceNet community information platform within uh, New Jersey. And there was a conference going on with that uh, technology platform. Mm-hmm. It was in Washington, D.C. And by this, this was in uh, the fall of 2012. And I'm... Uh, you know, I'd been reading some of the articles and uh, uh, by Edgar Kahn, and you know, I'm looking him up. Where is he? Well, he's in Washington D.C., and I'm going to this conference, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm going to have a little time. You know, there's going to be breaks, and there's going to be the evening part, and maybe we'll have we're going to finish early on the last day. And I'm thinking, huh, I wonder if I could drop in and talk with him saying, you know, I'm in the neighborhood here. <laughs> so, so I'm, uh, it's not going to happen on its own. I got to do, yeah, something. Yeah. Gotta gotta do, do something. You got to weed that tapestry. So, so, uh, so I, I look up his phone number and I, you know, I find out his phone number and I'm thinking, well, I'm looking at the phone, I guess. It's so, is my hand just going <laughs> to dial the numbers? Or, uh, so I stood up, you know, put my hands up in the air. Okay, uh, taking a breath. And I, I dial this number, uh, wondering if I'm going to get uh, a recorded announcement. Am I going to get the office manager? And, uh, but Edgar answers the phone and he says, hello. <laughs> like, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting to press one or front <laughs> office press three if you want to leave a message. But so I you know I just said hello and you know introduced myself and said I was going to be at a conference and uh, you know in Washington D.C. and I wanted to know if I could come by his office and talk to some people, maybe talk to to him. And you know I told him the date and he said yeah I'm 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 here just. Here's my address. Just uh, just come uh, come by uh, that afternoon. So I was thinking that it was an office, you know, like an agency, uh, some office in a in an office building. Right. That's where that's where offices are. So uh, a colleague of mine who was at the conference with me. You know, had driven us down, and he also knew someone uh, in the Washington area, and so he also coordinated a, a side visit to that person and agreed to bring me to uh, Edgar's office. So, so we're driving, and it's only a, a few miles away from where we were staying. But I'm thinking we're going away from the office area. We're going into a, a neighborhood. <laughs> more residential i love where, it <laughs> where people live there's people live here and i'm looking at the address double checking it make sure i got the street address right and everything i said no that we're, we're going to a house that has a garden and it has flowers and it has steps going up to the front door so i said 
that's where his office is. He, 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 he works out of his home there. Uh, and so I said, all right, take care. See you later. And, uh, so I get out of the, we were in a pickup truck, actually. I get out of the pickup truck and, uh, and I walk up the steps and, uh, you know, the front door is like open and there's a, like a screen door. And so I'm knocking on the screen door and it's unlocked. It's just like, like <laughs> and he says, I hear this voice, come on in. So, wow. So, so I just walk in and, uh, so that's the first time I met, uh, Edgar Kahn and, you know, he invited me into his study. Um, such a know. real person, just a yeah. real, wow. Yeah. So Edgar Kahn is a wonderful writer. You know, he has a PhD in English and he was a former speech writer for, uh, Senator Robert Kennedy. And he writes beautifully. He speaks directly and clearly he uh, knows how to cut to the chase, get to the point, hit the the nerve about what your what the issue is. So he doesn't mince words, and he had a marvelous clarity. So I started talking to him about what I was doing, and when I say started, that that that's where it ended. Literally within a minute, I just started and he responded and in a very brief, uh, a few brief remarks, it, it astonished me that he understood exactly what my work was mm-hmm. and a lot of times, you know, you're talking to a neighbor or you're talking to someone who works in another field and, you know, you're each informing each other about how you spend your day. Edgar knew exactly what I did. You know, it was almost like he had a reconnaissance team, which I don't think he did, but <laughs> he just knew, he knew about wraparound. He knew about care management organizations. He knew about uh, the different models for how uh, community agencies that work with youth and families, how they work, the, the data they collect, the plans they put together, how they work in teams. So it was not necessary for me to fill him in on anything. And that was valuable uh, for both of us. I mean, there was no time wasted. And the purpose of me being there was to, you know, get his perspective, get some ideas and get some inspiration. Mm-hmm. And the most, you know, one of the uh, direct points he made to me is that we needed to have youth be more responsibly involved with their plans of care. And his point was, do not have the tyranny of low expectations that any youth, any person, Mm -hmm. any youth, uh, anybody can help another person. That's one of the, uh, you know, five core values of time banking. The five core values of time banking are as each person is an asset. Each person, 
has the potential and should be the kinetic energy of contributing. And the second principle is redefined work that uh, Edgar, I guess, perhaps coined the term of the core economy. We What we measure in uh, economic models is the financial economy. But if you look at economy in the broadest context, there's this other piece, which is the work that is accomplished that is not regarded monetarily. In other words, that goes to speak to fiat currency, mm-hmm. but currency is one way to do one thing and it doesn't address everything. And it certainly doesn't account for everything. No. It account for psychic rewards. It doesn't account for the work as Edgar, uh, you know, eloquently uh, wrote about that makes life meaningful. Mm-hmm raising of families, the uh, fostering uh, of activities within the community, uh, youth sports teams, parades, helping each other, caring for each other. And, uh, and the third uh, of the five core values is reciprocity, the, the ongoing, ebbing and flowing, giving and receiving, paying it forward, not paying it back, but paying it forward. Mm-hmm. The social networks is the fourth uh, of the five core values that are formed, the community that's built, and the fifth core value of respect, respecting the person as they are, meeting someone where they are, not where you hope them, them to be, not uh, you'll be happy when it's we can interact with each other, serve each other, help each other, join forces now. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, a challenge maybe to our creativity to accomplish that. How do because none of this is told to us. It's not supposed to be told to us. That's we do have to exert effort and, uh, you know, challenge ourselves. But all of this is possible. And where people are doing this, you know, one of the most extraordinary stories uh, is in Littleton, New Zealand, where there was uh, an economic or a, I'm sorry, a an environmental disaster or earthquake uh, several years ago. And the frontline workers came in to provide humanitarian aid. But what the frontline workers needed, or the first responders, I'm sorry, the first responders, the first responders needed help because the first responders were not familiar with the geography, with the community, mm-hmm. with the the informal ways that people communicate in neighborhoods and households, because we wanted to make sure that everyone w- was uh, supported and helped. And, uh, and in other words, that everyone who was on the bus got on the bus and stayed on the bus and didn't leave anybody behind. Okay. So who helps first responders? Well, I'm just going to use a term as the zero responders. So who are the zero responders? 
Well, there are the people of the time bank in Littleton. They were they were the helpers who helped, who were coming in to help. And so that is just a brilliant uh, representation of co-production. The helped are simultaneously helpers to the help helpers who are coming in who needed help. So I know it sounds funny to talk about it. It's like it sounds like you're going in circles or <laughs> it almost sounds like you're speaking nonsense. But if we think that the world only has givers or receivers mm-hmm. and providers or consumers mm-hmm. or service recipients and clinicians, mm-hmm. or, I mean, or, or clinicians, rather than this uh, milu, which is really like maybe that's more of a biological metaphor. <laughs> uh, that's really what creates synergy. Without it, we don't have synergy, and the whole won't be greater than the sum of the parts. You are summarizing TCOM in its very essence. So throughout this conversation, the learning of how Edgar's ideas move towards action and how foundational this has become, that's the essence of TCOM. That's why we're, I think, such kindred spirits. And I love the fact that how you drew the the parallels from the work that you've done uh, in wraparound and how things were were piecemeal but you've woven a tapestry i think if i can use the term seeds for sustainability can i can yeah. i uh, oh my god sure yeah you know i i want to uh uh also share something in about you know, I like the metaphor of weather uh, as well. You know, uh, seeds of change. We have growth. We also got rain. We've got yes, wind. Yes, we do. We've got dark clouds coming in. And that has been my journey with youth uh, time banking. So uh, taking a, a time travel leap from 2012 to 2016 for your period that was a period of uh, cloudy weather uh, for <laughs> for youth time banking and that's where i started to say well youth time banking is a flower that grows slowly because <laughs> there's not much growth going on and uh I also acknowledge that I had a lot of failure. Now, that's where I came to like the term failing forward or failing into success. And there's writers who uh, that I've learned from and and picked up that uh, phrase from that. And that that was the experience that. I first tried to set up a, uh, if you call it a community time bank or a public time bank or an adult time bank, and again, had several good starts, but it, it's like a pitcher maybe that has a good first inning, but then, <laughs> then things slowed down uh, as the game went on. And again, everyone liked the idea. Everyone encouraged it, but it didn't get traction. 
<clears throat> you know, we've had uh, a system of care meetings where we talked about this, hundreds of people clapping and cheering for it. We had gatherings where we watched documentaries, where we rented space at a community theater. People signed cards, they made pledges, you know, got cheers, but it didn't. <laughs> have traction. And that's not a criticism of the people because I genuinely believed that the spirit and the interest was there, but there was something wasn't easy enough or something wasn't, you know, you have to have either geographic proximity or you're crossing paths with someone. And, uh, and so there's books written, uh, about atomic change and um, behavioral models of some things have to be really super simple. You have to break it down to the point where you can't not do it, or, or there are these, the attractor there, you have the capability there, uh, there's the reward taking place. So, so going up into 2016, I just kept revising and tweaking, adjusting, talking to people. And again, I'm thinking, this is a really simple idea. And I feel like, I don't know if I ever invested so much effort into something with so little result coming from it. And I'm thinking, you know, this is a strange experience. But I just kept doing it. I just felt like, you know, all right, I, I've got to change some things. I can't keep doing the same thing that doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. <laughs> but I know that that this can work, I, you know, because there's so many examples of variations of it. So anyway, it, it came to, it was the spring of 2016. I was working with some uh, senior social work students from Monmouth University, and it just seemed like, something snapped to the grid, as they say, <laughs> when you're working with your, uh, you know, computer software, we got it to snap to the grid. And, uh, there's a 16 year old girl, uh, who, you know, we was enrolled with our, uh, care management organization. And she had been working with some really fine, uh, IIC providers. And we, so we talked about taking the next step to, you know, expand the comfort zone. And that's what time banking does, uh, especially for youth. It's, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to expand your comfort zone, to build strengths, to make personal connections, to get connected to the community. And the thing that uh, I maintained, and I know everyone uh, is uh, in, in unanimous agreement with is that whatever you do, it has to be safe and you want to create an experience that builds that, that leads to success. You want to set, especially youth, you want to set them up for success where you're not doing it for them or to them. You're working with them and they are doing something that they know is their effort and energy and they're feeling the thrill and excitement i think when they're seeing something happen so the thing that was happening there was dog walking there was someone who because of their work schedule and some physical limitations needed assistance for a period of time during the day 
for someone to walk their dog. And this uh, 16-year-old girl, she uh, herself had, uh, I think, two dogs possibly. So she was very comfortable with that. So, you know, I think we were making some uh, good, uh, you know, suggestions and plans here of understanding what, uh, this girl would feel comfortable with while simultaneously making a little bit of a challenge to come out of her, you know, home environment to, uh, go out to a park with support people and, and walk the dog. And that was the thing that I remember about that is standing in the parking lot and the girl's mother drives her into the parking lot. The social work students were talking with me inside our building and we walked outside. There was a care manager who uh, offered to accompany the, uh, either the girl or the, uh, or the students who were going to meet the girl. Everyone had a cell phone, the parent caregiver, the mother was informed. It was a nice day. We had the dog and so the girl gets out of the car and she meets the social work students. You know, we all introduce ourselves. The girl knows, of course, the care manager. They're, you know, very uh, good relationship. And so the question is begged, what's the very next thing going to do? And I, I felt confident at that point because I, I felt like, I, I mean, I was feeling the the confidence and the positive energy of all of these exceptionally good people. And so we asked the girl, what, what do you want to do or how do you want to get to the dog park? Mm-hmm like your mother to drive you? Would you like your care manager to drive you? Because there, it, it was a little distance away. Uh, it wasn't walking distance. Or would you be comfortable to go with the two students, females, with the dog? Mm-hmm. So there'd be the two students and you know driving and then the girl and the dog in the back. Mm-hmm. And then your mother and the care manager could follow you. Now, I was... I was thinking, if that's what this girl wants, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Everyone agreed with that. And it was just so beautiful when she looked at us all and said, you can go back to work. <laughs> we'll be fine. And I'm thinking, we're at work. So yeah, this is our work. But we're going to work in a different. And she said, you don't have to have two cars following, you know. We gave her that option. That, that's the part. And, and so that, that was sweet. That was beautiful. That's incredible. Lovely experience. They went out and they got a milkshake afterwards, I think, <laughs> which was a big deal because this girl was not leaving her home or backyard. I mean, it was a big deal to come out of the house, go to a different part of town and to go uh, to another location. 
So, so I want to close out the story by telling you what happened the following week. So this was the first experience we had officially with youth time banking because we had a youth who was participating, who was contributing service, who was uh, earning a time credit mm-hmm. and already met a handful of people, met m- my, me, met the two social work students, and um, so at least three people mm-hmm. okay, on one day. That's pretty good. So a week goes by and, uh, you know, I say to myself, <laughs> well, let's continue the progress here. Let's see if we can get more youth involved in doing something, maybe, you know, something, whatever that might be. And let's talk to some people because one of my things I like to say is we got a success story here. (laughs) Uh, Let's share that and, and tell some people. So I, so there were a few other care managers who wanted to, uh, learn more about youth time banking and consider connecting some youth they work with, with youth time banking. That's, that's good news. And so we said, right, the following Wednesday, we're going to meet at four o'clock in our conference room and uh, tell the story about what happened the previous week about the girl who came out and walked the dog. And I contacted the girl, her name is Anna, and said, Anna, would you join us at the meeting? Because now this is stretching that comfort zone. (laughs) You feel, uh, you know, the edges of that comfort zone. And she said, I have two things. Said, can I? And I bring your mentor, who is one of the provider agencies. Mm-hmm. Can you hear? I said, yes, of course. And that's great, too, because then your mentor is going to learn about. <laughs> and then your mentor works with other youth. And that's what happens in time banking, because it's a network and you're weaving these connections. Mm-hmm. OK. And I said, OK, and what's the other question you had she said that you not ask me to talk she said i i don't feel comfortable talking uh, to other in a group mm-hmm. I, I said is it okay if i talk about the story of our first uh, youth time banking activity she said yes yes sure that's fine okay so i said okay so let me make sure I know what our agreement is that your mentor will bring you next Wednesday at four o'clock to our conference room and you will not talk. Do you agree to that? (laughs) That's, that's what I want. I said, okay. So the week goes by and, uh, early that afternoon, I contact the, uh, the, the executive director at, at another community organization that was a family success center uh, in our area. And 
I asked if I could borrow Alice the dog. Alice's alley or Alice <laughs> said, we're going to have a meeting. Uh, no, I didn't tell Anna that Alice w- was coming to the meeting. So uh, so I get Alice and and that was uh, a sweet experience because Alice is hanging out with me at work. I've got some treats <laughs> and yeah. uh, getting ready for our meeting. So so everyone is in the conference room as we're approaching four o'clock and um, including myself and Alice and uh, Anna and her mentor, uh, Chelsea, come down the hallway, uh, you know, and, and we they knock on the conference room door. They they know where we are. <clears throat> and so I'm at one end, you know, s- you know, sort of on the opposite end of the room. And I ask one of the people in the meeting to open the door. So Anna walks in. I let go of the leash of the dog. A- Allie runs over to Anna, like jumps in her arm. Uh, Anna, you know, drops to the ground and, you know, uh, is you know, petting Allie and Allie's like licking her face. And then, and then, okay. So this is a beautiful flow experience because no one is consciously monitoring what's going on. Mm -hmm. You're, you're responding and you're experiencing the situation and someone else in the room asks Anna, Oh my goodness, it looks like you and Allie know each other. And of course, no one has a, a psychological defense at this point. Everyone is in a very safe place. And Anna responds to the other person without, I, I think, without consciously thinking that she's going to talk to another person. She just talks to another person. And, uh, and then the conversation continues. And then I interrupt the conversation and I said, Oh gosh, Anna, you just broke our agreements here. You said we weren't going to talk that I was going to do all the talking. So of course I'm laughing and, you know, know, uh, being silly and goofy and, and she felt you know, incredibly comfortable. There was no need for that agreement that she not talked. And we had a marvelous conversation. And then a year later, Anna continued to participate in youth time banking for uh, a few months. And she met other people as she was walking the dog. She met someone else in the building who would go out during breaks or lunchtime. And so they struck up conversations and they learned that they both like to read certain books and they both enjoy writing. And, and so again, that, and so we, I sat down with Anna once and I said, let's run down all of the people you met. And we got between 25 and 30 names of people she met, nice people, good people, trusting people, people who were fun to know, people that she wanted to see again, people whose first names, she had many of their cell phone numbers. She could say hello to them. She could ask about them. So that's demonstrating the caring and concern that's built. A year went by, and by this time, Anna had graduated and transitioned from care management, and and she was doing marvelously. 
As a matter of fact, she called me once to tell me late that summer, she said, Jerome, I have to stop time banking. I said, oh, wow, that's some really big news, Anna. What's up? What's going on? She said, well, I don't have time for time banking, you know, because I'm, 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 I'm going to get a job. Oh, you know, the place where we went to to get the milkshake over at the mall, uh, they have a store there that I like and I applied for a job and I'm going to be really busy because <laughs> I, I got a job and someday I'm going to start a business. Oh, and I'm going to finish yes. my uh, meaning like a dog walking business. I'm going to yeah. finish my education. Uh, and uh, so that's what I'm going to do. I said, well, good for you, Anna. I am thrilled. I'm so excited and and happy for you and that, you know, that youth time banking was a bit of a springboard for you. More time goes by. Maybe it was, you know, eight or nine months after that point. And there was a conference going on at, I think it was at Monmouth University. And I think it was a co-occurring conference about working with, I don't know if it was youth or individuals who had co-occurring diagnoses in mental health and substance use or, or uh, youth who uh, had suicide ideation on their uh, cans. And, uh, and they wanted a speaker who had direct experience either themselves or with a family member with uh, a death by suicide or uh, suicide ideation themselves. And uh, this was in a staff meeting. And, you know, the room was quiet for a moment. And I said, well, why don't we ask Anna? Because Anna can speak from experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so the person who uh, was the care manager said, well, I could certainly call her. And, uh, you know, a few days later, uh, got in touch with Anna and asked her if she would come to a conference and stand up and speak to an audience of family members, caregivers, parents, university professors, professors, Mm-hmm. providers, clinicians, staff about her experience, her understanding of what her therapies and progress entailed, uh, being in uh, New Jersey system of care and the going from you know, where she was when we first started working with her and where she is now. And, uh, and Anna agreed to do that. So that is, you know, possibly, uh, certainly one of the most extraordinary, uh, experiences. Youth Time Banking was a part of it many other things, the New Jersey system of care wraparound, the fantastic providers and therapists she worked with. Uh, but 
I will. You remember what you can't forget. And the thing <laughs> I got is Anna telling me on the, that phone call within a week of having met her that she did not want to talk to small or large groups of people. And a year and a half later is speaking at a conference, which I know from my own experience is <laughs> brings me to the edge of my comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Absolutely. That, um, you know, it's very dramatic. Every youth does not uh, necessarily have that uh, dramatic uh, of a transformative experience. Mm -hmm. However, what we've noticed with youth who participate in time banking uh, is that it's very common for them to, to have some type of either epiphany or uh, light bulb moment themselves when they realize that what starts out as a, some transactional experience of we're going to clean up the park mm -hmm. and through different experiences with doing things with and for others and feeling the energy, the self-regard, and the confidence building that the youth themselves cannot deny mm -hmm. the person, that they matter, that they can contribute, the world needs them, their community needs them, their family needs them, their neighborhood needs them, that they have uh, wonderful ideas and we want everyone as long as possible to get up each day and participate and contribute and accept and receive and pay it forward. And so, you know, bringing it into, you know, this year, um, we continue to collect some data for those youth who are participating. The data show good things happen. Optimism is a leading indicator into the expression of talents and interests, uh, increase in social capital, community involvement. I felt that I wanted youth time banking to expand beyond uh, the care management organization where I was working uh, at a point in my career where I could move on and uh, work independently, uh, I decided to incorporate youth time banking uh, nj.org as a 501c3 nonprofit in November of 2019. We went, uh, the organization went through a uh, CARF International accreditation process for the first time in the spring of 2019. And that was about three years after youth time banking had uh, become implemented within the organization. And so most of the care management supervisory groups, many of incorporating that uh, in their work with some of the youth, 
close to 10%. Uh, nice when that uh, grows and increases. And during the uh, CAR survey, which occurs over a one and a half period, several people mentioned to the surveyors about time banking. And this was, so the surveyors were not inquiring about it, but because they heard about it uh, so many times, they said they wanted to know more about it. And so they said, you know, who's behind this? Who created the program? And so they told them uh, that I did. And so uh, the surveyor, who was from Tennessee, she asked me to join the uh, small conference room where she was talking with the uh, operations department, the director, clinical director, and supervisors to come in and join them. And so one of the people came out, found me, uh, told me why they wanted me to come in and cautioned me that she's only going to give you five minutes. So get to the point and stop talking at five minutes. Because <laughs> elves have felt this through the day. They are on a tight schedule. They've been doing this for years and years. And when they hear what they want to hear, they go to the next thing. I said, I understand. So I went in, I started talking. I told some of the same story that I told you, Ken, about Anna. Mm -hmm. Watching the clock, everyone was very serious. And I saw it closing in on five minutes. And I just said, you know, thank you for the opportunity to talk about youth time banking. The surveyor looks at me and says, keep talking. And so I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe I get another five minutes. I don't know. Or another. So I started talking about what was going on at the time with youth time banking. And I had given a presentation with the youth partnership at the family support organization. And I was uh, thinking about the upcoming TCOM conference mm -hmm. uh, in the fall, and that would have been 2019. And in 2018, I had given uh, one, a session uh, at the TCOM conference in Chicago at the Drake Hotel. Mm -hmm. uh, another experience that I can't forget <laughs> because that was uh, pretty exciting for youth time banking. And so the surveyor looks at me and says, I hear what you're saying. If what you're saying is true, that means you would have an agenda. You would have a poster. You would have presentation slides. You might have Edgar Kahn's book. Am I understanding that correctly? I said, yes, you're understanding that correctly. Mm -hmm. And she said, very good. I would like a copy of all of those. I said, I'd be very happy to give you a copy of all of those. I'm going to give you two. And so 
I said, I'll get it to you, you know, by early afternoon, you know, because we were up to the end. And I, I got the poster from the family support organization session. I got my slides that I used at TCOM 2018. I got a copy of Edgar Kahn's book. Uh, I had some other materials uh, about time banking. And so I got two folders, <laughs> copies of every, everything. And fortunately, I had two copies of the book. And, and now I'm thinking, darn, I wish I ordered like a dozen copies. <laughs> <laughs> hands on the book now uh and put them together and handed them to her and you know so that was uh that was a very um meaningful exciting serious experience this was not a celebration at this point this was uh a challenge a demand uh, you know, respectful inquiry, exchange of information. A month goes by and we get the report from CARF International and to the tremendous work of the people at Mammoth Cares and the leadership of the board and, you know, the executive director and the, the senior leadership team, uh, anyone I think would attest when you're going through a, a CARP evaluation, you are emptying the tank. You are working, burning the candle at both ends, you know, and it is, uh, you know, nerves are strained, relationships are strained at times. And it's, um, it's a it's kind of a grueling experience i guess maybe you get better at it as you get acclimated uh, but the first time it's like it, it's tough um so we we got the results that uh the organization uh, achieved a three-year accreditation which was tremendous mm -hmm. and the executive director uh informed us. I mean, we were all given a copy of the report to look at. And we were acknowledged for many strengths. And uh, there were areas that they wanted to see us, uh, you know, reinforce and, uh, you know, make some improvements or, you know, give a little more uh, solid ground to. And um, and then she said there was one more thing. They they gave an exemplary recognition to youth time banking. Oh, wow. What the executive director told me is that it's it's not routine no. you, to get exemplary recognition for something. You could get uh, a, a strong mm -hmm. uh Standing. And to uh, receive an exemplary recognition, the, the surveyors need to identify something. They're not necessarily looking for it, uh, but if something stands out as having 
outstanding business or clinical, uh, creating outstanding business or clinical results. And that is innovative and creative and something maybe new and that was developed within the organization. And thirdly, if it merits being shared with the field. And then when I heard that, uh, I thought back to that's why she wanted the copies of the TCOM slides and the poster and the uh, and the application to present at TCOM 2019, that that was the evidence that it was being shared with the field. And uh, so that was fantastic. And that's on the, uh, the Mammoth Cares website, that page from the report. Uh, and it acknowledged youth time banking as touching on 12 standards that CARF rates organizations on. And, you know, of course, the ones that uh, they essentially touch on every each of the 10 elements of wraparound uh, is touched youth it's family voice and choice it's informal supports it's community connections it's outcome based it's culturally competent relevant and so forth uh, and the the area that you know i was focusing most on of course is that social capital mm-hmm. work of Dr. Al Condolucci from the University of Pittsburgh and his work with uh, populations of individuals with developmental disabilities uh, and what we were had talked about at other times, Dunbar's number. And when I, when I had some training from uh, Dr. Condolucci, he made the point that individuals who don't achieve a certain degree of social capital or if it were to erode or below a a certain, you know, I I recall from the training, this is going back like, I don't know, 20 or 20, could be 20, but I just, again, I can't forget it. So I remembered it was the number 35 Mm -hmm. that people need to have uh, connections with uh, roughly that many people that they can contact, they have a way of getting in touch with, they have a phone number and address. Because when you're in a bind, when you're in a difficult situation, when you need to ask someone for advice or you're worried, you, know, you, you, might, you might have someone in your family you could talk to. You might be out on your own. Maybe the person you want to contact doesn't answer the phone or isn't available or doesn't see your text message. So you need enough of uh, a network so that when you're near the end of your rope, so to speak, or at the end of your own resources or means, 
that you can find someone <laughs> to keep you here to get up the next morning. And so, uh, you know, I've mentioned that in conversations over the years. And then someone asked me, can you give me a reference for that? <laughs> so I wrote back to uh, Dr. Condalusi and, you know, remember, I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> not going to know my thing from, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, but I reintroduced myself, uh, you know, electronically and, uh, you know, and I told him, I said, I never forgot <laughs> you talking to us about social capital. And he's written several books on social capital and the gatekeeper. And that's that's really important, that gatekeeper concept of the youth adult partnership and time banking of being setting the youth up for success, but not hovering over them, <laughs> making the introduction, putting them in a safe place to make a contribution. So I said, uh, Dr. Condalusi. Can you give me a reference for that? So he, uh, you know, pointed me to one or two articles on his website, which is a really nice resource. And he said, you might read about uh, Robin Dunbar's work and Dunbar's number. And, you know, I've shared that with you. And when you, uh, you know, read, you know, there's there was an article that came out within the past year you know, in, in 2021. So if there's a way that you can put that in a chat or something, if people are interested or, or put that at the end. Uh, yeah. And that's from the Atlantic. Um, and I guess at various times people have challenged his thinking on it. And what, uh, I recall now I'm not a, a statistician, but he talks about how, a less commonly used modeling in regression uh, is part of uh, his theory and how it was developed to arrive at these thresholds or ranges of numbers, one of which is the 35, I think there's a 5, a 15, a 35, a 115, a 1,000. And he explains how that roughly maps to how tribes and civilizations and corporate organizations and uh, small community groups and, uh, and talking circles have ranges and capacities of where it's about, you know, and in systems thinking about where, you know, how many ideas or relationships or opportunities to communicate and interact are practical, you know, uh, given physiological and biological constraints. So he's, I guess, uh, an anthropologist, a statistician, and certainly knowledgeable in other fields. I'm not sure if he's a psychologist as well, but this modeling is, uh, intriguing, uh, in the results of all of the years of work behind it is he's telling us something that's simple and easy to apply. And the takeaway that I'm, uh, working with is when I think about the significance of all of us needing to have uh, 
you know, around 35 or so mm-hmm. names and numbers. And some people may say, oh, yeah, there's there's hundreds of people I know. And that's well and good. There's some youth, though, who have no friends, mm-hmm. who may only know the people in their immediate living situation or, and, and so that's why that, uh, you know, dimension or element of wraparound or our work or, and there's so much, so many other resources of, or research mm-hmm. about the importance of relationships in the work. I know we, we talked about of Dr. Rose Perry and the social creatures. Absolutely. Her work uh, in in Mount Sinai, the hospital system of how, so this is what I want to leave with, because so many uh, bodies of knowledge converge around what is both fundamental, inarguable, unanimous agreement for, yet we are not quite fully there with reaching out or seeing to or inviting uh, all youth, all people and, or looking out uh, for others to, to support them in having the connections they need. They don't need those connections with me or any individual in particular, but they do need that strength in numbers so that every individual needs people that they can trust people that they feel comfortable with, they can put their guard down that won't judge them or uh, denigrate them. And, and to bring it home to uh, Dr. Khan's work is that there is no need to denigrate another person when you're helping, collaborating and supporting them and inviting them to participate in the experience of receiving help of one form and also contributing to the foundation of the uh, experience and the support or the service that uh, is occurring through which they are benefiting and simultaneously uh, contributing to. Uh, Because that's what lifts people. what youth time banking aspires to do with its youth adult partnerships of giving and receiving the reciprocity, the building community and the solidarity so that youth have peer to peer near peer youth adult and intergenerational experiences, the full spectrum of what's possible for humans. Well, this was amazing, Jerome. You shared with us your journey. In doing so, you explained what uh, co-production actually means with with the uh, actual feet hitting the ground and moving forward. You started us with regards to finding a a need that wasn't actually happening or occurring around increasing informal supports and connecting especially youth to their community you, for me, and I believe the listeners will feel the same, that the seeds of sustainability or for sustainability have been woven so beautifully in the work that you have been doing around youth time banking, 
Um, it certainly parallels to the work um, with Opica and with TCOM, the larger. You certainly model for many folks who are new to this field. Uh, youth are assets, resources, and energy. You certainly are, sir, a, an asset, resource, and energy that you're willing to share and taking time out um, in this process. We started our discussion around our backgrounds. Uh, you're having a very unique background with the uh, circles, very abstract. And I put on my background um, the, uh, the universe. So I'm going to actually ask people to do away with sky's the limit and instead think <laughs> of the infinite possibilities of the universe that you're carrying on Edgar Kahn's work. There are no more throwaway people. And we all are looking forward to the many um, uh, successes and, and remembering that failing uh, into success. I think that was the term that you used. And um, and this is truly foundational. So, Jerome, for me, it was an absolute honor to have this discussion with you. I'm hoping that uh, individuals get really excited and they could reach out uh, to uh, – how do they reach out to – uh, do they reach out to the YTBRN.org website to donate uh, to see how they can get involved more? Yeah. So if I could leave you with uh, two uh, ways to connect, it's the email address would be info at YTBRN.org. So INFO at YTBRN.org. And if they'd like to support our uh, fundraising project, uh, either the general one, it's on every.org slash YTBRN. So the website there is EVERY.org forward slash YTBRN. And on that landing page, you'll see a link to a fundraiser for youth and technology. We've got a project going on to support uh, youth in Uganda, where we are, uh, they're involved with a, uh, a Microsoft Power Apps course developed by Rory Neary in Downley, England. He has uh, offered to sponsor their enrollment in the course and we are uh, getting some refurbished computers for these uh, nine young men and women who are citizen developers. And that's where we see some of the uh, the youth participants in youth time banking becoming citizen artists, becoming citizen developers and becoming uh, citizen community leaders or just community (laughs) leaders in their rural areas of Jamaica, Uganda, Cameroon, and Mongolia. And of course, youth time banking works anywhere. So (laughs) wherever we can, uh, you know, plant the seeds of change and wherever the wind blows, as Edgar Kahn said, the seeds of change uh, for time banking, that will be... uh, a wonderful and good experience. So every.org forward slash YTBRN uh, and info at YTBRN.org. Well, this is definitely not the ending, but a beginning of further conversations. Thank you, Jerome, for joining us. 
My pleasure, Ken. Uh, thank you uh, very much. An honor to uh, talk with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Innovation and Care Collaboration Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or Google, and join us each week as we invite in thought leaders in health and human services to discuss the latest trends in healthcare and technology.